1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
0: This is the Cork Today replay on C103.
1: As we welcome you along to Wednesday's edition of uh, Cork Today, this time yesterday, uh, we were still looking to County Hall to see would we have the final seat filled for Cork County Council as we knew there was a long battle going on for the Bantry West Cork local electoral area and it was down to two candidates, Holly McKeever-Carnes of the Social Democrats, an independent candidate Finbar Harrington, who had been deemed elected after the count on Saturday by one vote, Holly McKeever Carnes called for a recount, which she was entitled to do. Then there was a bit of toing and froing and a very tense few days. And and finally, yesterday, about nine o'clock last night, Councillor Holly McKeever Carnes was deemed uh, elected and she is and will be another one of our new young councillors first time out for her and she had a very impressive first preference vote I have to say so we're going to speak with Councillor McKeever Carnes on the programme this morning and we also can't let the moment pass without speaking with uh, Fimber Harrington who we've spoken with, regular listeners to the programme will know Finbar, we've spoken with him on many occasions. He is a great community activist. I, I I can't see him stopping his work within the community. He is such a great, great community man and he would have made an absolutely fine councillor but it, This time round, it wasn't to be. So we'll speak with both Councillor Holly uh, McKeever-Carnes and the runner-up, Fimber Harrington, joins us on the programme uh, this morning. And we will stay with elections because all the counting isn't underway at the moment. The European elections and the count for the European elections still underway in Ireland South. We finally got one MEP elected and that was Sean Kelly and again we knew from the tallies that Sean Kelly was going to top the poll and he's been a hard working MEP so I don't think he's come as much surprise to many people that Sean Kelly returns as an MEP but the counting goes on and the battle goes on and one of the big surprise stories I think from Ireland South is how well Independence for Change candidate Mick Wallace has done, and of course, Independence for Change candidate Claire Daly got elected yesterday. And Ming Flanagan is also in that grouping; he's expected to get elected. And it looks like Mick Wallace um, is going to get elected for Ireland South. And nobody, I think, could have predicted. They even knew he was going to do well. I mean, he was a household name and a well-known face, and. People would have said, yes, of course, this guy is going to do well. He's done well in all of when he stood in general elections. So there, there was a base there for him and he has a following and he has a support but nobody I think could have predicted just how well he's done both on first preferences but then what's surprising everyone is how transfer friendly Mick Wallace is proving to be and after I don't know what count we're up to at this stage he has now jumped into second place he was just behind Billy Kelleher, and he's now I think just gone ahead of Billy Kelleher. there's more transfers uh, to come and of course it's a very very tense few days for the two other sitting MEPs Léonie Rieda for Sinn Féin who would be expected to get a seat she looks like she will and Deirdre Clune, the other Fine Gael MEP is the one I think who must be finding these few days very very difficult she's not the type though to give up as I heard her say yesterday, we've been uh, here before and I actually looked back before I came on air uh, this morning. I look back on the 2014 uh, result and she, yeah, what Deirdre Clune is going through at the moment, she's been through before. She was in a very similar situation um, she had less actually first preference votes in 2014 Then she has this time round. But of course, you have to, the Brian Crowley effect affected everybody's first time preference votes for the last number of local or European elections. But anyway, so she had less first preference. And then as the transfers came in, the first few counts, she was getting, you know, small amount, small amount. But then it took a number of counts before she suddenly started to go ahead and in the end she didn't even need the other Fine Gael candidates' votes to get her elected. And go back to 2014 the sweeper candidate as, as people would have described him at the time was was one Simon Harris who went on to greater things after that. But in the end Deirdre Clune didn't even need Simon Harris's transfers. But this time around obviously she is going to need the sweeper who the Andrew Doyle Andrew Doyle's votes. so I suppose it will depend on when Andrew Doyle gets eliminated and how much of the votes will go to Deirdre Clune. but she's not giving up yet. It's, you know people will say it's not looking good for her but she certainly is not giving up. So we will hook up with Nemo Rangers and we will go to Fiona Corkrum after 11 at some stage uh, today to find out what's happening and if there's any more news uh, this morning. We're also going to go live to Paris Um, After 11 this morning where Barry Roach of the Irish Times is going to step out of the courtroom in Paris to talk to us and just set the scene of what is happening on what is for one solicitor in Ireland called a show trial. It was uh, Frank Bottomore, Ian Bailey's solicitor has called it a show trial. A lot of people, you know, for us here in Ireland, this is a very bizarre situation that somebody would be tried for murder tried for any case when the person isn't even in court. And that's exactly what is happening. But that's the, the thems are the rules in France. They have different legal system uh, to us. So we've asked Barry to join us just to set the scene and to get try to get a feel for what's going on in Paris. I've been reading some of the court reporting that has come out and definitely it's very different. I mean, the things that the judges are allowed to say wouldn't be said in this in the judicial system uh, here, and uh, it's you know, and it it is an, there isn't a jury in this particular case. It's it's all very different. But anyway, we'll we'll find out more from Barry Roach after eleven o'clock today. I'm also going to get an update on the balancolic man, Pete O'Neill. This was the uh, elderly gentleman who, along with his wife. They are celebrating Pete's 80th birthday and their 50th wedding anniversary and they were on a flight to Miami. I think they were going away on a cruise. What a lovely thing to do. And unfortunately, he had a stroke on board the plane, which must have been such a frightening situation, both for him and his wife. They were lucky, though, there was a doctor on board and he has spent most of the month of May in a hospital in Miami and we spoke with his lovely daughter Karen last week because there was a campaign, a GoFundMe campaign to uh, help bring dad home. The good news is that dad came home, I think it was the early hours of Monday morning so we're going to catch up with Karen to find out how her dad uh, Pete is doing. We also have our bi-monthly slot with Awali on the programme today offering advice to anyone who is in financial trouble with their mortgages and today we'll speak about the role of the PIPs and find out how they can help and if you are in that situation you've got a question feel free to get it into us and it is Wednesday so that means Peter Dowdle, our gardening expert will uh, join us and I believe he'll be joining us live from Bloom today so it'll be nice to uh, speak to Peter later on so anytime throughout the morning if you have a gardening question get it in 1850 333 103 you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and I've just spotted a text in from a listener lost their phone in Mallow around the Bally area and there's nothing worse than losing your phone we've become so attached to our phones I think the worst thing is all your contact details and I think for most of us as well, it's become our camera. How many of us download the photographs or how many of us print off the photographs? It's something we, sh- we all should do because if the, if the phone gets lost and all the photographs are gone, that can be really devastating. Anyway, let's see if we can reunite this listener with her mobile phone. Last around the Ballyvinator area, it's a Huawei. I was a problem saying that. Huawei P20 Lite. It's in a light blue case cover. And if you found it or know of somebody who found, spoke about finding a phone, can you call 086? The June bank holiday weekend is fast approaching, and that means it's time for the Inner Shannon Steam and Vintage Rally, which, would you believe, this year is in its twenty-second year. It'll be held over the bank holiday weekend on Sunday and Monday, so June second and June third. If you're going along, you can expect over one thousand exhibits. It includes huge tractors, some very unique cars, there's motorbikes and of course you can't have a steam and vintage rally without wonderful oil and steam uh, engines. There's also a pet corner, there's numerous stands and stalls, there'll be arts and crafts on display, there's a dog show there's always the very successful sheepdog trials and there's uh, much much more uh, going on and you can find out All about it if you want to take a look. If you've never been and you're trying to find out what it's all about, uh, they have a really good website. It's isvrally.com. And I'm delighted to say that today, Wednesday, tomorrow, Thursday, and again on Friday, we have a family pass to give away. It's a family pass for four people to the Inishana Steam and Vintage Rally, which can be used on either of the days. So if it suits you to go Sunday, go along on Sunday. If you want to wait till Monday, go along on Monday. And we will tell you how you can be in with the chance of winning that family pass to the Inishan and Steam rally a little bit later on on the programme. We're going to take a break and we're back talking with newly elected councillor Holly McKeever-Kearns. After two recounts and four days of counting, the 55th and final councillor for Cork County Council was deemed elected yesterday evening at Cork County Hall. That councillor, Social Democrats, Holly McKeever-Kearns, joins me. Uh, Congratulations to you, Holly. Thank you so much. Was it a very tense few days for you and your supporters?
0: It was. Um, yeah, and it was a, it was a long few days. I suppose we were four days at the count essentially. So, um, sorry if I don't make complete sense from the height of counting.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and also new for you because you've never be you've never. I mean, it, it was your first time running. Have you ever been involved in in a local election? Have you ever been involved in a count before? Never. So we had the full election experience in our first run. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've gained experience, I'll tell you that. And, you know, first time running in a local election, you had a very impressive first preference vote of 1,274. You must have been thrilled with that when that first count came in.
0: We were absolutely thrilled, yeah. Um, I think... There is that presumption that because we live in rural Ireland, we're conservative by default. And I think this vote really shows that that's not true and that there is an appetite for change. And we were delighted to see that from the electorate.
1: And all the skullduggery that went on with your posters, it didn't affect your voting anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, thank God. <laughs> and when you, journey. when you were out on the canvas trail, um, Holly, yeah. what reaction were you getting from people?
0: Really, really positive one. Um, It was great. Now, I didn't know if that translated into votes because, like you say, it was my first um, election experience and I didn't know how to gauge what was a good campaign. I had no comparison.
1: So, to people who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're described as a farmer and a businesswoman.
0: Yeah, so, well, initially I finished school. um, I graduated from Skull Community College in 2008 and I left the day after my leaving search. And I was living abroad and in different parts of Ireland for about eight years. I mainly worked in disability support services. And I moved home about four years ago to take on my family farm and business, um, which is brown envelope seeds. So um, I then did my master's in organic horticulture. And, um, yeah, so we have some dry stock on the farm as well. And so farmer and, yeah, business owner. It's my family business.
1: And you hope to keep the whole lot going along with your work now in the council?
0: Yeah, my, my poor mother has been um, been doing way more than her fair share of work for <laughs> the last few weeks. But absolutely, yeah.
1: And what were the issues that you campaigned on?
0: Um, well, I suppose on that, when I did move home four years ago, um, I found it difficult because so many of my friends and family are gone and I feel West Coast has so much potential and I was sick of complaining about that being squandered and decided to try and do something about it. So a lot of what we we're saying is we want to try and um, help make, make West Cork a place where young people can stay and come home to. Um, but also the, the environment was um, one of my main concerns. I think we need uh, better decisions made on behalf of the environment here because all of our industries depend on it. And um, so I think we need kind of future proof investments in our industries. And I'm so glad um, to working with the people who got elected, I think will be a really good team, and I'm really excited to get stuck in and start making some changes.
1: So, do you think your vote was part of the green wave? Were you getting that sense from people? Um, I mean, maybe I, I didn't, I don't know
0: actually. Yeah,
1: it could be. It could be. Oh, and what made you opt for the Social Democrats?
0: So many reasons. I think. Um, because of our unique history we've seen the dominant of, of civil war politics and so our history hasn't really made space for change but i think our our future does have loads of space for change because people are more and more moving away from them now and um when i uh, became more politically engaged um it was a difficult decision because um, i think like at the green party are great and and there's, there's, you know it's it's a difficult decision to make, but I suppose there's a few reasons I joined the Social Democrats. Um, I suppose I believe in social democracy. I think that every child should have an equal right to healthcare, housing, those kind of things. I don't think we should have a two tiered health system. But I think most Irish people actually are Social Democrats, which has never really had that option to vote for. I think everybody believes in equality in Ireland. Um, but also. Our, our party leaders um, have done such stellar work. They were a big inspiration to me, probably two of my biggest political idols. So Catherine Murphy's done incredible work on exposing corruption in Ireland. I think that's been a real downfall for us as a country. And Rosine Shortall's work on health, um, I just felt that they were a party who were likely to effect change. Um, and as a young party as well, we've got a great momentum building, and um, we started four years ago and we've just elected 19 county councillors so we're delighted with that. And I also, Patricia, I really think that in this day and age, we can't claim to govern a society that promotes equality if it doesn't exist within our own party. The Social Democrats are the only party in Ireland with a gender balance and that was another really important factor for me.
1: Okay, and I thought it was nice uh, and lovely to see short Shortall come to Cork to support you. I mean, you were for a first time out you really didn't know what was going on I imagine with, with everything that was happening with the counts <laughs> and the recounts and the checking and, and spoiled papers and disputed papers and I mean it really looked like she looked after you during the count 100% yeah.
0: I think when we walked into the first count in Clamacielce I was kind of thinking like what's a tally um, yeah. we really didn't know what was going on but we did our best and I had all my aunts and uncles and friends and my amazing campaign team um, and we did our best and, and we learned as we went along And when it got to the stage where we knew we were going to have a recount, um, we got huge support from the party. Yeah, Roisin came down and about 15 other accountants from the party to help. So that was amazing because by that stage we were exhausted and we didn't really know how to handle it. Going, You know, it being the first experience in the election we had, so... It was amazing support and very much okay, well, appreciated
1: well, as well. well. Well done, well done. Uh, but actually, also,
0: Patricia, being there with Stimbar, um, yeah. the other candidate who lost by one vote, it was amazing to be there with him as well. I, I mean, I wish it was a five seater. I
1: know.
0: Um, he was such a gentleman. His wife is amazing, and all of their campaign team, they ran an amazing campaign. And, yeah, my heart really goes out to them today.
1: Yeah, I have to say it was one of those things I just I wanted both of you to win but it wasn't to be unfortunately but fortunately for you, you won so congratulations to you and we look forward uh, to interacting with you over the next uh, five years and the best of luck to you as uh, a councillor at Holly McKeever. Yes
0: thanks Patricia and the one vote I think that tells everybody it does every single vote counts so absolutely <laughs> if you didn't register for this election
1: register now ok and just quickly just a couple of texts in massive congratulations to Holly on her achievement from all in Castletown Bears says somebody and uh, congratulations to Councillor Holly McKeever carnes wish you well in your new job and that's just simply signed Paddy ok we leave it there Holly thank you for that and thanks, thanks for joining us good morning to you and with every winner there has to be a runner up and that was as we've just mentioned there, long-term community a- activist, uh, Finbar Harrington, who joins me. Uh, commiserations to you, Finbar.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Look, good morning, Patricia. Well, look, I suppose, before we start, Patricia, could I just start by wishing Traffras um, National School and their mentor, Aidan Crimin, all the best to look in, in the SPA 5 a All-Ireland final this morning in the Viva Stadium at 11 o'clock. Uh, look, they're representing Munster, which is a, a massive achievement you know, for a small parish here in the Biara B- B- Peninsula. And I suppose, look, we're all rooting for them and uh, well done. hopefully we'll be lighting bonfires for them tonight.
1: Well done, well done. Uh, commiserations, though, Fimber, a very tense uh, few days and not the results you were hoping for.
3: Yeah, look, absolutely. I suppose, look, uh, not just a few days. I suppose, Patricia, look, I suppose the campaign began for us, I suppose, uh, five months ago. Um, the, the the canvas campaign trial began three months ago and I suppose the count began on Saturday. So, look, uh, a long and 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 long and drawn out uh, process, uh, very tiring. I suppose. Look, we had the the ecstasy and the, and the highs of it, and we had the lows of it, and we had all the the anxiety in between. So, yeah. Look, I suppose. Look, we're drained. We're physically drained. We're we're mentally drained. Uh, I suppose we we have uh, mixed feelings this morning. I suppose. Look, we're privileged, uh, honoured. Um, you know, to have such a vote uh, bestowed on you, and and so many so many people put so much trust in you, and. You know, at the same time, I suppose. Look, we're we're, uh, we're got it, obviously. But look, that's life. And I suppose, look, I, I suppose, look, I was the first uh, to congratulate Holly uh, yesterday, and again, look, I'd like to do the same today. Look, I want to wish her well. I suppose, look, as I said yesterday in interview, I met I met, uh, I met uh, the girl for the first time four months ago at a public meeting in the, in the West Lodge Hotel in Bantry. Uh, got to know her over the campaign. Look, a nice person. Um, you know, she has big ambitions. Uh, she she means uh, she has a lot of good stuff uh, that she wants to try and achieve for Cork. Uh, for West Corky or the Bantry area and I uh, look, I no doubt she will and I wanted to uh, wish her all the very, very best of luck in that and I suppose, look, today is all about her. Today is her day.
1: You were magnanimous in, in defeat, I, I have to say and I loved the way that you praised Holly for holding similar beliefs to you.
3: Yeah, look, I suppose, look, even, even in her interview this morning, look, she said that, you know, that uh, a lot of her own friends, her young people have uh, moved away. And I suppose, look, that was one of the big things, I suppose, we promoted in, in our campaign. It was one thing that, uh, one thing I wanted to work on and one thing we have worked on in the past. Uh, look, it's, uh, it's something uh, that's affected every single small parish, uh, in the, in West Cork, in the Bantry area and here in the Bearer Peninsula. Look, I suppose, look, we hear about, uh, um, football teams failing to field, primary schools struggling with numbers, and I suppose the common denominator, and that is too many of our young people have moved away, too many many of them have immigrated, migrated, uh, and they're not living here on the peninsulas or or in the Bantry area, and I suppose what we wanted to try and do was, we wanted to try and encourage uh, employers to come back to West Cork, you know, to bring back these young people, which will Reinvigorate and which uh, will, uh, you know, keep these parishes alive. And and I suppose, look, that's one thing that she mentioned this morning. A big priority of hers. It was also a big priority of mine.
1: And she also mentioned uh, the fact that she won by one vote. You lost out by one vote. It shows the importance of everyone's vote.
3: Yeah, and again, I suppose, look, it it, it was one of the things that I always said. uh, Look to our canvassers, uh, and and I suppose, look, I'm very grateful uh, to all the supporters I had. Look, my canvassers, people that brought horses for me. Uh, you know, they help me in any way, uh, and I suppose, look, my family, I, I have an outstanding family, uh, and lucky, lucky to have that, and um, I suppose, look, it's the one thing we always said, you know, when you go out canvassing, you treat everybody the same, everybody's vote is as important as the next, and when they open the boxes on Saturday morning in the Cone Centre, they count the votes in ones. Mm-hmm. So, oh, look, every vote is, is is crucial. Yeah.
1: Did you learn a lot about the election process? I mean, we were we were at a loss to find out what exactly was going on in in County Hall with disputed papers, and was it a learning curve for you as well?
3: Yeah, look. I suppose, Patricia. Every day you leave, you learn. Uh, you know, um, and 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 that's 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 the way we go through life. I suppose. Look, look. I suppose I have a keen interest in politics, as you know, for a, a large number of years. I ran in the in the last election five years ago. So, look, I would have a good knowledge of politics. But yes, of course. Look, we all learned a lot of stuff in the last few days, uh, and I suppose that'll uh, that'll all make us all stronger. I suppose uh, for the future, hopefully.
1: What now for Fimber Harrington?
3: Yeah, right, I suppose, look, uh, for for today, I suppose, Patricia, I suppose, look, I'm always uh, a person that's always grateful for what I have. Uh, look, we ran a great campaign uh, with the intention of uh, of winning a seat. So we came, I suppose, agonisingly close. But look, at the same time, I suppose, look, I wake up this morning uh, with uh, with a wonderful family and, and three wonderful kids and a wonderful wife. And then um, I suppose for the next two days now for us, it, it's all about them. Uh, we got to get back to a bit of a routine. Look, we're exhausted, we're drained uh we're gonna enjoy the kids for a few days and uh look I suppose you uh, I suppose uh, you asked me the same question I suppose five years ago when I lost the election by a home response. And I suppose look I, I gave I gave I'll give you the same answer and that is uh I suppose I am a person that would never make a decision when you're on a high or or when you're on a real down low. I suppose look we we'll we'll have a look at it and, and uh we'll assess the whole thing. We've we've gone through an unbelievably difficult process in the last uh, four days. Look, there was an issue around uh, a number of ballot papers. Uh, that they were adjudicated on, and uh, you know, look, we we'll, we we'll, we we'll we see where it goes.
1: Okay, well, you are um, a, a wonderful community man and community activist as I introduced you uh, as, and the area in which you live are very lucky to have somebody like you in their midst and we need more people like you more people who just want to give and do uh, for the community and you would have made an excellent uh, councillor so uh, chin up look after yourself rest up that's the important thing I think as everybody says you're, 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 as you've missed yourself you're exhausted as you would be but listen thanks a million for joining us and we we'll look forward to talking to you again on the programme Thanks very much. Okay, God bless. God bless. Bye bye. Uh, uh, Poor old Finbar-Harrington there who lost out on that very final seat to, uh, to complete the 55. We now have the 55 members of Cork County Council. But once again, congratulations to the last... The last councillor elected, Councillor Holly McKeever Carnes of the Social Democrats, the only Social Democrat. We've won, she's the only Social Democrat now on Cork County Council. And we have two Green Party members. And we didn't have Green Party members the last time round. So we have two Green Party members as well on the new uh, council. And I'm just looking down through the list here because I can see Paul Hayes's name. Have we only one Sinn Féin councillor? Because Sinn Féin, of course, were the real losers. Yeah, it looks like um, Paul Hayes is the only Sinn Féin councillor. They were the real uh, losers. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103. 103.
4: Hello, this is Rod Stewart. We've given it away. The Rod Stewart 3K Triple Play on C103. Hi there.
3: Hi, what's your name? Marie. What's your surname, Marie? Fielan. And where are you from, Marie Fielan? I'm from Van Marie Phelan.
4: You just won 3,000, So congratulations to Marie Phelan from Glanmire for winning 3,000 euro on the Rod Stewart 3K triple play. And stay listening for the best way to win big on C103. This
0: is the Cork Today replay on C103.
1: The text in to say hard luck to Finbar Harrington it's hard to lose by one vote he would have given it all for Beira and beyond to Finbar and his wife Fiona says this texter they ran a fantastic campaign and he continued working for us thank you and best of luck for the future says that texter and when I was talking about was there only one Sinn Féin councillor now on the new council and I mentioned uh, Paul Hayes aye there is two because of course Daniela Toomey was re-elected in the Middleton electoral area and she's also a member of Sinn Féin so my apologies Daniela for excluding you 1850 now last week we spoke with Karen Hogan from Balancholic about the family's fundraising efforts to bring her dad Pete O'Neill home from the States following a stroke he had suffered while on a flight to Miami at the beginning of May. Karen is back to update us on this story good morning to you Karen Good morning, Patricia. Now, Karen, there had been hopes that your dad would travel on Friday when last we spoke. That's what was due to happen. But there was a delay. Just explain what the delay was.
0: There was a delay. The insurance company contacted us and they said that while they were denying the claim as a gesture of goodwill, that they would like to send two nurses out to escort my dad home to make sure that he stayed safe on the plane home. Great. So yeah, it was fantastic. So we accepted their offer, and and they then subsequently they rang me and they said the nurses couldn't get out there in time for Friday. However, they will be out there in time for my dad to fly home on Sunday.
1: Okay, so you so went with that. It was the sa- the safest the thing to do. Yeah, it was
0: the safest thing. We we couldn't when we had an offer of two nurses to accompany, and we couldn't turn that down. Yeah. So so we changed. Uh, I changed the ticket for him to come home on Sunday. So he arrived home yesterday morning. To Dublin Airport, and he got an ambulance down, and he's in CUH at the moment, which is fantastic.
1: Did you did you wait in Cork to meet him, or did you go to Dublin?
0: There was an ambulance met him off the plane in Dublin.
1: Oh so they brought him straight to Cork,
0: and they brought him straight to CUH. Yes. So,
1: how is he doing?
0: He's doing good. He's um, even the the difference in his attitude is fantastic. He's much brighter. I think just being home. A lot of it, he was dreading the flight back in case it happened again. I know. This had been preying on his mind for the whole time he was there. But as soon as he got into the ambulance in Dublin Airport, he actually fell asleep and he slept the whole way down. Ah bless. The nerves bless. were gone and, the, you know, the, he wasn't afraid. He was home. And, your and I think that's the biggest difference. He's not afraid anymore. He's home. And your mum. She's home. She's just so relieved to be back. Um, she slept in her own bed Monday night for the first time. Since the beginning of May, so yeah,
1: that's yeah, it was tough, tough on her as well. I mean, it, it, very difficult. It, it, so, what are the good doctors saying in Cuh?
0: They're saying that it's, it's a long road to a uh, long road to recovery for him. Okay, which we knew. Um, he's medically stable; he's doing really well, but it'll be at least six months rehabilitation. Yeah, um, and there's no guarantee he will get any mobility back in his left. Right.
1: Is he completely paralysed on his left hand side?
0: He has a tiny bit of movement. He can move his hand slightly, okay. and he can move his foot slightly. Okay, but he has no—he uh, has no resistance in it, or he can't stand on them, or he can't move his arm at all.
1: His speech—is—is so. his speech affected? His speech is perfectly
0: Great. fine. Great. Yeah, which is great, and he has his cognitive skills are perfect.
1: Brilliant, right. brilliant. That's so that's yeah. so important, and he remembers he everything that happened, didn't he? He didn't.
0: He remembers more than my mom. Oh. My mom remembers very little. I think she was, she was more concerned with focusing on him, where he was aware of what was happening all around
1: him. Yeah, but shock will do that as well. You'll put yeah. out of your mind what, what what you don't want to remember, um, and look, lots of people get back, you know, tremendous mobility after, after a stroke so let's, we'll stay on the positive positive. and he sounds like a positive type of guy
0: he is and you know he's working away the whole time in his bed himself trying moving his hand with his other arm you know he's not giving up he's Bless working really hard himself so I don't know if the doctors have taken that into the equation I don't think they have um, I would expect him to regain some mobility
1: yeah, they don't know your dad
0: they don't know my dad. They don't <laughs> know the determination he has, and he was a very fit and healthy man before any of this started. And he walked every day. You know, he was he, for an eighty-year-old man. Very few people realised he was that age because he was such a fit and healthy man.
1: And so, your you, your mom and dad they met in they met in the state in the United States originally, they did. didn't they?
0: They did. They met in uh, nineteen sixty-eight. They met in New Jersey.
1: Your dad was in the army?
0: He was drafted into the American army, yes. But he was there and when he left the army he moved into an apartment while he was waiting to come home and he met my mum then.
1: <laughs> and your mum was over there fr- working obviously?
0: Yes, she was, was she? over there as a nanny. Yeah, okay. she had, um, and she had just moved into the same apartment and they met and they had their first date in New York at the St. Patrick's Day Parade.
1: And then did they marry in the States or did they come home to marry?
0: They married in October of that year in Glasgow. My mother's from Glasgow originally. Okay. So, um, yeah, my dad had his ticket to come home because he left it. They met, and their first date was in St. Patrick's Day. He had to leave in April, and they married in October. Wow.
1: Goodness, it's such (laughs) a whirlwind romance. And 50 years on, they're still as happy. 50 years on, they still hold hands walking down the street. (laughs) Oh, bless. Oh, bless. And how many in family, how many siblings do you have, Karen?
0: There are four of us, two boys and two girls, and 13 grandchildren.
1: Oh, goodness.
0: All in melancholy.
1: And, of course, that's what the trip... The trip was a cruise, wasn't it, to celebrate the 50th and your dad's 80th? Yes,
0: absolutely, yes. They were to go on the cruise on the... They flew out on Friday, and they were to go on the cruise on Saturday morning.
1: But the actual fiftieth anniversary of the wedding is coming up in October. Then it was last it? Yeah. October. Oh, it was last October. Last okay. October. Right. Yeah. So, and did you have a party for that?
0: We, he's a very quiet man, is so he? we had a party in our home. He didn't. He doesn't like fuss about him or anything like that. Um. So we had a party in our home. We went on holidays together as a family last summer, and they were going on their cruise.
1: Okay. Here. That's how he celebrated And sure please God They'll get back away On holidays again When he's, when he's, he's back yeah. fit How long do you expect him To remain in CUH Karen
0: They're expecting To move him to St Finbar's Very soon Whether that's within A day or two Or a week or two We, we really don't know But it'll be Finbar's He'll be doing his rehab okay.
1: And then he just wants To get home to his own bed In Balancholic
0: yeah, well, he's just happy to be in Cork, I think. Yeah. yeah <laughs> he's it's not such... thinking that far down the road. He's just delighted to be in the right country, in the right, in the right hospital.
1: And the GoFundMe campaign, how did, how did you get on with that?
0: Oh, people have just been so generous and so thoughtful. And it's not even the donations, it's the messages and, you know, just the kindness and thoughtfulness that people have shown us has been unbelievable. Of course, as, lo- as well as the, the people, you know, handing over their hard-earned money it's just been overwhelming. Um, uh we're so touched and feel so lucky that so many people care and have an interest sorry, and and um, are willing to help them out.
1: I know. I know. I read down those through some of the comments you you're you're a, you're a much loved family and your parents in particular. You you could get that sense from the comments coming in from people who knew them over the years or who who, who know them today you just and it's you know people get the opportunity then just to to help them out you know it's great yeah. it's great yeah. generosity um, of people is, is, is astounding pass on right. our very Please. best wishes to your to your mum and your dad Karen and look after yourself as well and uh, keep, really? keep, keep us updated on how your dad is doing would you because I know a lot, a lot of people will want to know how he's getting on I will, of course. All right. God thank
0: God you so much for having me on.
1: No problem. Our, our pleasure. God bless. Mind yourself. That's bye fine. bye. Tough, tough fun When, when, when your much loved dad is going through that as well, and, and your mum. So well done to everybody who helped out in any way, with, particularly with the GoFundMe uh, campaign. Uh, please help to bring a uh, dad home. And our thanks to Karen Hogan.
4: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
1: A couple of texts in. Texas says, listening to Holly and uh, Finbar uh, speaking on the programme in the last hour, I was waiting for one of them to thank the people who did the recount. I'm sure they're pretty tired as well. I'm sure they are. and I'm sure the counters were delighted to have it all finished after four days of uh, counting yesterday. And Councillor Paul Hayes was on to say, Patricia, would you wish Councillor Holly Kiever's uh, McKeever Kearns the very best on her new campaign and win I'm looking forward to working with her for the betterment of the people of West Cork over the next five years commiserations also to Finbar Harrington on hitting the crossbar on this occasion and just to clarify I will be joined by Middleton based Councillor Daniela Toomey in County Hall and what is a depleted but energetic Sinn Féin team heading back into County Hall Counterguards, uh, Paul uh, Hayes yeah my apologies I've forgotten and I hadn't forgotten about Danielle, I was looking down through the list and I just I missed uh, Danielle's name as I was flicking down through the fifty five names. So my, my apologies. Thank you for that, uh, Paul. Now stay with the let me stay with the council issue because we got a number of calls in yesterday and a few more coming in this morning about grass overgrowing a Bally McQuirk. Cross and a councillor who has been on top of issues concerning Bally McQuirk Cross is Bernard Moynihan and we put a call through to Bernard and uh, he uh, joins us Good morning to you Bernard.
5: Morning Patricia How are you? I'm
1: very well. The grass is overgrowing and some of our listeners are saying that it's blocking the view of cars coming from Bantir or Canturk directions. Is that the case?
5: Uh, 100% correct. I travelled uh, that road myself two or three times a day most days because up and down to County Hall and stuff and the road, particularly when you're going down from here and turning back for for uh, Clonban and Cross, I've put a call into the Cork County Council offices every day, two or three times last week, and two, twice a day for the last three days, and I'm going to do so now again this minute. I am very concerned, very concerned, that the, the junction is, that grass is beyond belief. It's just so dangerous there right now, and I am very concerned that something might happen, and I don't, I want that grass cut, and I'm just trying to get it done. And I, I apologise to the people who have to travel that junction and that grass is not cut. But I'm certainly doing my very best to get it resolved as quickly as I possibly can.
1: And uh, there seems to be that the grass growth. We've got the ideal conditions for grass growth. Uh, and that's probably attributing attributing t- to the problems. Has it been cut already this year, No, you know? my
5: understanding is no. Oh, no. No, no. This, this is a major issue. We, we it's a major issue, not alone with regard to Ballyhoolehan Cross, you've Gortier across, you've Le Mans across. You know, at every crossroads, we have to put, the, we have to prioritise the safety of the people who are travelling the roads. And I am going to be making a major issue in Cork County Council that those junctions are cut several times a year. It is unacceptable that that grass is in the way it is right now for the public who are dealing with it. I must travel that road on a daily basis as I do myself. And all I'm saying to the the people out there who are listening to your programme, who've contacted your programme, and who've been texting me and emailing me and contacting me about it over the last number of days, is I am doing my best to get it cut as fast as I can.
1: Okay, and particularly at a junction that we've highlighted before, such a dangerous junction. Absolutely,
5: and I want to compliment... Both uh, C103 and your own program, and I want to compliment the Carphone newspaper for highlighting the issue of that junction because that junction, my understanding is from TII, you are the one using technical terms, transport infrastructure island, is that the priority junction to get to get resolved? But Jesus, we need to get the grass cut. That's the first step. That's a
1: basic.
5: And I, I, that's a basic, and I I want I want to I want to, uh, to assure your listeners. That I am working to get that grass cut as fast as I possibly can.
1: And that is up to the council, isn't it? It's the responsibility well, it's of the, the
5: council. council? Well, there's a bit of a dispute whether it's the council or whether it's the Transport Infrastructure Ireland, but that's not. That has to be resolved between those two bodies. It's, the reality is I don't, it, that grass has to be cut full stop in the story for the people who are travelling that road.
1: Okay, and just while we have you on the line, I spoke to you briefly at the council Centre on uh, Saturday night when you topped the poll yes. in the Cantor uh, area you really seemed blown away by the fact of your first preference vote you, you, it's almost like you didn't see it coming
5: no no I didn't see that vote coming no I did not know. I didn't I knew um, you know I detected it on the grounds on the, on the doorsteps the day before three or four days I was kind of thing Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday and I just detected that there was a very positive feeling from the public towards our campaign and our, our canvassers were coming back and saying this is going very well and we were hearing it from all different angles but I was, I can tell you, I was just, I just couldn't believe it we got 2,800 votes. Like.
1: What do you attribute, I mean, what do you personally attribute it to?
5: Well I, I, I attribute it to the fact that we're working for communities, we're dealing with you know, we're we're working with communities like Meyer, Booterbee, Kishke and Rockchapel. We're trying to get funding into that area as best we possibly can. We're, we're we're and you know we're trying to represent the people as effectively as we can in County Hall. And I can tell you, you know, I genuinely you know, think that people are now in the in the space where they're going to vote for somebody who's working for them, irrespective of party.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, whatever you're doing keep doing it because it was it was an incredible uh, result once again congratulations uh, to you Barnard and uh, thank you for joining us on the programme and by the way somebody says Clongeel Cross on the Allens Bridge Road I know it, is I bad know it, as it, well
5: I know it's just,
1: uh, yeah, we could probably get ha- get a list of them going if uh, if we had the time. OK, we'll leave it there. Um, Councillor Bernard Moynihan, thank you for that. And thanks, uh, for, thanks uh, for joining All us. Uh, bye-bye. 1850 333 Somebody, I didn't put this, Had a, a, once a question put in, uh, Anne-Marie Kilavollen, how can the council uh, cut grass with the, with the law that nothing can be caught due to the Wildlife Act. The Wildlife Act is to do with birds nesting in hedge rows, and even in hedgerows, they can be caught during this closed season. If it's a danger, if it's causing a danger, particularly for road users, and obviously, anne you don't know Ballymacork Cross, you don't know how dangerous the road is and when the grass is overgrowing in that area... It's putting drivers' lives at risk because they've got to edge out because they can't see cars uh, coming. So, no, it's not covered. It's not breaching the Wildlife Act in uh, any way. 1850 103. Okay, also coming in to us. Oh. Column is looking for some some advice. Column says, which might ask your listeners, please. Does anybody listening have a cure for sciatica? And I don't know if you can get a cure for sciatica, but anything that could relieve the symptoms of sciatica. Has anybody found something that works better than anything else for sciatica? I can sense in Column's text that he is in pain as he is sending that in to us. So, if anybody can offer advice to Colum on cures to not cures." but uh, something that can be done to relieve the symptoms of uh, Sciatica. Would like to hear from you, and an announcement also that a husky dog has gone missing from the Rathcooney Glenmire area since the 18th of May. This dog was spotted in Ballyvelan, Mayfield Blackpool area. If anybody has seen a husky dog roaming around that area, uh, could his name is Zeus? <laughs> I've never a dog, and he's got blue eyes. He should have a red collar on, but the red collar may have fallen off any possible sightings please to 087 and I imagine a husky dog wandering around would be it would stand out, wouldn't it? You'd kind of know if it was a bit lost looking but it's been missing since the 18th of May so if you can help with that there's a, a family desperate to get their dog back but it was last spotted somewhere on the Ballyvillain, Mayfield, Blackrock, that general area but it's missing from Rathcooney, Glenmire uh, area. Okay on junctions and overgrown I, I knew, I, I was saying this to Jean-Paul, when we start talking about one area we will get other areas have I been mean, straight where The Allens Bridge Road came in from somebody when we were talking about Ballymacork Cross. John says, Patricia, Patricia the Laharan Cross Road is overgrown with hogweed. It's very dangerous now uh, from a driving point of view. And that actually came up last week on the programme as well. I'm assuming somebody has reported that uh, to the council. And actually, I remember when I mentioned it last week, somebody said, uh, is John Paul O'Shea Councillor John Paul O'Shea, aware of it uh, with his connections with um, Laverne Cross. So I'm assuming, John, hopefully you have gotten on to the council about that. And congratulations as this texture to Bernard Moynihan on topping the poll and his hard work is uh, paying uh, off. Um, it was great to see all three sitting councillors were re-elected in that particular electoral uh, area. Um yeah, yeah. Actually, all, all, um, all four. Well, yeah, uh, three, and of course, Ian Doyle came into that area. That was probably the only local electoral area that we have that doesn't actually have a new. Councillor, somebody who hasn't been a county councillor before. I think it's the only one. No, I'm double checking after I got it wrong, saying that there was only Shin, one Sinn Fein councillor. Yeah, it is the only area. That's the Canturk electoral area that has returned four councillors, and all of them were sitting councillors. So they all got in, I suppose, on their on their merit and on their hard work. 185333103. John Paul takes your calls. You can text to WhatsApp 0862.
4: The latest jobs on C103. Official media partner of the Irish Examiner Cork City Marathon, Sunday, June 2nd. Get working now to run the full, half or relay. More details at c103.ie.
1: General operative is required for a sandblasting company. While experienced bar staff are wanted, that's for the Mousetrap Bar in Mallow. Now it is mainly for weekend work. And Carebright they're recruiting for a senior staff nurse. It's for their dementia care centre, which is in Brough. And Arctic Drivers are wanted on a casual basis for Cork City and County. To work day, nights and weekend work. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is c103 c103 presents the 22nd
0: Inishannon Steam Rally June 2nd and 3rd see old time threshing steam engines old vintage tractors cars trucks motorbikes and the parade of old harvest machinery there's cake sales vintage club displays trade stands sheepdog trials dog show tug of war and more with a pet's corner a fun fair and live entertainment see Shannon Steam and Vintage rally.com. there's fun for all the family at the Inish Steam Rally June 2nd and 3rd with
1: C103 Now the family of murdered uh, French filmmaker Sophie Tuscon de Plantier gathered in a Paris courthouse this week for what is expected to be a week long trial which they hope will finally put the nearly 23 year old case to rest Covering the story for the Irish Times is journalist Barry Roach who has stepped out of court and takes time, to, uh, time out to talk to us in Paris this morning Good morning to you Barry Good morning, Patricia. Uh, You're you're welcome. Now, for us, this is a strange trial in that the man accused of the murder, Ian Bailey, is not in court in Paris. How different is this to any other court case you've ever covered before?
6: Oh, well, it doesn't compare with anything else that I've ever covered because we've had a uh, defendant in the dock, as it were, and the dock is empty here. But speaking to French journalists, it's quite unusual for them as well. It doesn't happen all that often. It does occasionally, um, and certainly not on anything of this scale in terms of seriousness of the charge, a murder charge, so it's quite unusual by their standards as well. I suppose it means that effectively we're getting just one side of the story, uh, even though at the moment no, the judge is actually really out.
1: that's the same for all the witnesses that they got very short notice and would that have changed would that have allowed some people to travel if they'd been given more notice?
6: Well I, I'm certainly aware of people in Scotland who got their summons as uh, Helen Collins living in Dublin she got them 16th I think, on Thursday I'm certainly aware of people in West Cork who got it on Friday and I think it's, it's given them from Friday to the following Monday week to organise their own transport organise their own accommodation and then they would be reimbursed and obviously that's very short notice and yeah. uh,
1: be at home. And while Ian Bailey, we know Ian Bailey isn't in court and he's not represented in, in court, who's relaying the information of what's going on in court to Ian Bailey?
6: Well, Jim Sheridan, the filmmaker, the is making a documentary, I think, on the whole story and we understand that he's... There was an issue the first day that um, when he was raised where Ian Bailey was and it emerged according to the family lawyer that uh, Mary Gould that there were journalists relaying events in court to him at his home in West Cork. now and at the end of the day his reaction is being filmed so he's obviously picking it up from there and I presume to the media as well because uh, all the Irish media are here uh, quite uh, some French media and what was interesting was we were talking to uh, one French uh, uh, person sitting in a huge crowd here on Monday and it opened from the French point of view as we say, maybe French media that seems to have, to have dwindled a little no, and he was making his point that the only paper that carried anything on it on Tuesday was Le Parisien, uh, Le Figaro, uh, Le the Le barat and others didn't. So, it, um, I suppose, I mean, there's probably French elections going here, or elections going here, in France. they're back at home. But it seems, you know, the place was really crowded the first Monday, but... Um, since then it uh, hasn't been as past I suppose it's important to say as well that Sophie's family are here Her elderly parents George and Marguerite came in on started about 2.30 on Monday and it ran till 10 o'clock that night It started half nine every day since and it ran till about eight last night Wow and then again we're expecting about the same today but Sophie's parents came and uh, they're quite elderly at this stage there was a moment on Monday evening can you get here right now where they showed scenes um, from the crime scene, or photographs from the crime scene, including some shocking pictures of Buffy's body, which um, obviously the family were aware were going to come up from. They left uh, her brother Bertrand Stade and her uncle uh, Jean-Pierre, but they were really quite, quite horrific photographs. Had you seen those, those photographs before? before? No, I hadn't. I'd heard about them, but I hadn't seen them, but it was quite, quite shocking and very disturbing. You know, somebody's basically... Reduced to wow. trying to imagine a smash the pumpkin, or this sort of thing, or And then they went back to the scene to the house and the lane, and so forth. And then near the end, again, they pulled back and it's it shot of the body, but from a distance back. And she was uh, clothed in her night her, and you could see that basically up to her chest area was um, pristine, untouched. But from her chest area up, just, it was just one red mess, really, terrific, really quite disturbing.
1: Um, oh my God. So, uh, and there there also, Barry, was some criticism of the local guardie and the way they handled the case, particularly initially in the hours and days after Sophie's body was discovered.
6: Yeah, there was a French policeman who's been involved in the case since the French formally launched their investigation two ways, a man called Damien Roufry. And he said that, you know, it's such a serious crime that the local Gardie in Skull, he's been confined, didn't have the experience to deal with it. Uh, it was beyond what they were used to, and that, that's why the scene was not preserved properly. And basically, it was only when officers came in from elsewhere in Ireland that uh, the began to um, be properly investigated. This was the point of view of, um, of, the, of the investigation. Uh, what else did he send us to? no. We a lot of witnesses. Oh, no. and, um, he actually said as well that the Guardian interestingly, he said that the guardy uh, originally oh, working on a tip-off that the killer made come from France and that tip-off came from Ian Bailey, which was interesting. You no, know, he didn't elaborate on where, how exactly it was related to him from Ian Bailey, but that uh, the person who ended up as the eventual suspect, as it were, was the person who initially pointed him towards France. The fingers to me.
1: And then the other one that I thought was, um, that I hadn't heard before, was the the friend who gave evidence to say that Sophie had told her she was going to meet a weird guy who wrote poetry. And this was the friend who seemingly had, yeah, after many um, years, remembered this conversation.
6: Yeah, it came up in 2005. Um, sorry, 2016, my apologies, a friend called Agnes Thomas, who had come to Ireland with Sophie in 95 and on some other occasions as well. She wasn't with her, obviously, in 96, but she came with her cousin Alexandra.
1: Your, your your line is is deteriorating, un, unfortunately. Okay, and yeah. I know I know you got to get back in, because I, I, I and we really appreciate you taking time out. I I just have to pay reference to a piece you you wrote an absolutely fantastic piece in the paper yesterday where you were doing the the contrast between uh, the hustle oh, and bustle yeah, of yeah, Paris just,
6: sorry, I mean, and, and, peace in Paris and of, the peace and quiet of of
1: two States. more. Uh, It was a world away. A A world away, a world away. We'll let you get back in. We appreciate that, Barry. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. And you can read more about uh, Barry's coverage of the... uh, So if we're just going to plant a case in the Irish uh, Times and that was Barry joining us live uh, from uh, Paris. I've just been told that Sheila Noonan of the Labour Party and Andrew Doyle of Fina Gael have now been eliminated from the Ireland South. European election vote and the distribution of their votes. And that's going to significantly change the state of play. Um, we will watch this one closely and I imagine that's going to take a couple of hours. But uh, that's going to be a game changer for sure. 1850 103 lines open. And we are continuing with our bi-monthly feature with O'Walia, the free mortgage arrears support service. And this morning we're going to look at the work of the personal insolvency practitioners, which are known as PIPs. Uh, Joining me, John O'Callaghan, who is a personal insolvency. Hold
7: up.
1: Insolvency Practitioner with KPMG uh, Ireland. Good morning to you, John. Good morning. Uh, and you're welcome. I suppose, firstly, explain what is a PIP, a personal insolvency practitioner?
7: Well, we're um, qualified licensed professionals that are licensed by the Insolvency Service of Ireland to find a solution to debt issues for debtors. We work between the debtor and the creditors and our job is to create a negotiated, agreed uh, arrangement between the two to sort out the uh, debts and to maintain the living in the family home.
1: And and your message, John, would be to, to anybody listening, find themselves in this situation, your message is there is a solution for everyone. Do you, do you, re, do you genuinely believe that?
7: I absolutely believe that. I really believe that a mes- uh, the message should be, clearly heard is that because there is a solution for everyone. I have been working in this since the legislation was provided to the country in 2013 and we have not lost a house yet. By one way or another every person we've dealt with we've found a solution.
1: And that's particularly important to any family listening John that's doing the ostrich uh, syndrome oh. and And people, God knows, they get under so much stress and pressure that they feel if I just ignore all the letters, ignore all the phone calls, it'll go away. It's not going to go away.
7: It it doesn't go away. And all that that does is eat into uh, mental, you know, pressure on the person, even ignoring it causes stress to some action to ignore things. It's really worrying for somebody to get these letters. They're terrible things to get. It's really worrying to be in debt. But the sooner it's tackled, it's a weight off. Every single person that we meet after the very first meeting says they feel a complete change. It is so important to take this on early as possible because, one, that gives more time to the practitioner, the PIP, to get a solution. Two, Every year, every month, the passes, we're all getting a little bit older, and that gives less time in your working life to find a solution, mm-hmm. so you have to pay a bit more. And three, stress and anxiety is not necessary. You can share it with the PIP, and you can find a solution. And what people don't realize before they go into to see a PIP is that it's, it's not financial hell. The solutions the PIP provides gives a reasonably good standard of living, does not put you into a position where you feel impoverished and really factually sorts out the debts.
1: Okay, talk me through, John, what would happen when somebody arrives at your desk, when somebody eventually gets to the stage that they need a PIP. Talk me through what happens.
7: Well, what we do is we investigate their finances. Now that that sounds kind of complicated, but really it isn't. We ask them about their house because what we try to show the debtor first day is what situation they 're in for themselves, we basically provide a mirror a financial mirror for them to see themselves as the creditor sees them and that 's a huge eye opener so to do that we we ask them about the value of the house and we ask them about the size of the mortgage and some people are terrified because they might be caught up in the you know the noughties uh, time frame where the values have now crashed and they're in negative equity mm. We then worry about the lower figure if they're in negative equity. If the houses were two hundred and the mortgage is three hundred, straight away we're talking about two hundred. Because that's the value to the creditor. And seeing things from the aspect of the creditor when you're in debt can be very, very useful because you can panic on a debt you'll never repay when what you have got to focus on is what you can afford. I spend time then showing people examples of income, less living expenses, less mortgage creates a small surplus or maybe no surplus. So if there's a small surplus, that's all you can pay to the rest of the debts that aren't in the mortgage. So we focus a lot of the time, therefore, on getting the mortgage sorted out. If they've somewhere to live, that's the key debt. How much can they afford to pay for a mortgage? And there are a multitude of solutions.
1: Give me me an example of the type of solutions.
7: Well, one of the solutions that are available is we write the debt down to the value of the property. Another example is we extend the mortgage term out to age 70 or 71. Because you see, the creditor is only going to work on the current mortgage contract. And the current mortgage contract might have been taken out at age 25 for 25 years. So it's going to mature when they're 50. Mm. We could stretch that to age 70, and suddenly the payments are affordable. Maybe when we stretch it to age 70, the payments aren't affordable. So we stretch it to age 70, and we negotiate with the creditor creditor to look at renegotiating the rates into a structure that the creditor is satisfied that they're still getting their money back. Maybe they're not making as much profit. So what they do is they reduce down the rates in some instances. And so that's another option. Other options are that they can only afford to pay 80% of the value, example. And therefore, 20% of the value needs to be found somewhere. Uh, One of the banks came out there recently with, they'll put that away at no interest for life. Meaning that the people never actually repay a portion of the mortgage that they cannot afford to repay. And that's called warehousing. And that's put away for life, meaning that in this particular bank's instance, and it may be available in other banks, we just have to see how that progresses. So there's a few options. You can extend the term. We can renegotiate the rate. We can write it down, depending on the case. Each case has its own specifics. We could write it down to value. We could get it down to value and still not be able to afford it, put some away. Then through government um, directions, there's mortgage to rent, where you retain your home, but it moves to a housing authority who look after it.
1: But, you, but you live in the house and you rent what you you was house. it, yeah.
7: yeah. Some people, that really suits because they don't want to move location. Everything is sorted in that area. Kids going to school and they realise that they could forever be paying this mortgage and never actually yeah. end up you know, owning the house. While if they're going to mortgage to rent, it's the same scenario and they pay less.
1: Do, you, fi- do you find, though, that, John, most people want to... Own their own house. It's almost like it's in our DNA. It is. Yeah,
7: it really is. We haven't done that many mortgage to rents. I must confess.
1: Yeah, yeah, that doesn't I, surprise me because I just uh, whatever it is about we the Irish. I mean, you talk to people, particularly Scandinavians, uh, and they, 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 in their DNA is to rent. They always yes. have rented. Their parents rented. Their grandparents rent, rented. We're very different.
7: We're extremely different. Yeah. But nonetheless, what I said earlier is true. We haven't lost the house. We have a solution for practically every single person, like in hand. There's a number that we're currently working through that we haven't finished. But we have a solution found for everybody. And we haven't done a half dozen mortgage to rents.
1: And what about people, and you would hear anecdotally about this, people who don't want to pay? I mean, have you come across anyone who could pay, but they just don't want to pay? They're trying to get debt right right down. Do they exist?
7: They they do before they meet us, I must confess. Because you will... You'll, you'll hear this just like you you say it. Uh, there's a lot of barstool barristers, you know, and there's a lot of people saying, oh, no, don't pay your loan because that'll make them pay attention to you. <laughs> it will. It'll make them pay attention to you to take you to court to take your house.
6: Yeah.
7: Um, so you really got to pay your loan as best you can. But some people come to us with this rather poor advice that says, no, I didn't contact them, and I'm not paying them, and I don't want to pay them, and they should write me down, and I should, I should, I should. And when we show them the view of themselves now from the aspect of the creditor, they realize in the very first meeting within half an hour, "Oh gee, I should be paying that mortgage, and okay, so I can only afford to pay a hundred quid, so I'll pay that now, and we'll work on the solution. You see, part of the reason why some people get the message or why the message is out there that people don't want to pay is that if they're paying a five hundred thousand mortgage on a three hundred thousand house. They feel they're throwing money, you know, good money after bad. They feel I never paid a five hundred thousand. I, I I may as well not. I may as well be saving up for the doomsday when it occurs. But when they meet pip, the pip will show them that it's not the five hundred thousand you have to worry about. Yeah. yeah. Let's pay on the three hundred thousand that the house is worth. Let's work with the creditor and what the creditor wants and actually bridge the communication gap. The creditor is supposed to be saying to you don't worry about the 500. We'll sort it out. Work with us. But they don't get that message across. The pip does. And the pip does take the position between the two and says, "Look, so you, we'll you act
1: almost like a broker. You're a mediator."
7: We're a mediator more than broker. Broker, yeah. 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 Because our, a broker is to get the best deal for one party. Yeah. While a pip is to get the best deal for the creditor and the debtor. And by doing the, the way it's structured is the debtor comes to the pip, the pip works with the creditor, but the creditor is equally of the mind. Hang on a while, that's a PIP. Mm. So now that PIP is going to get me my best deal. So I don't have to employ solicitors, barristers, 20 staff members to chase it. I just work with the PIP. That saves them a lot of money in the first instance. And second instance, they get the right to check that the figures are correct.
1: Okay, John has a question. Can a PIP help somebody who invested in a second home uh, put the money into it as an investment? I paid 280000 and it's now only worth 150000
7: Yes, There's a number of solutions, depending on their financial situation, if we can work a solution out to retain it and get good value for both the creditor and the debtor, that can be retained. However, in many instances, they decide, look, I'm, I'm shot at this investment, I'd sooner be done, but I'm frightened about the residual debt. In a PIA, you can secure your home by getting rid of investment properties and answering the residual debt. Many, many people are terrified about those second properties they bought or holiday homes they got in the boom or whatever they did. And that's even worse. That's still got the $500,000 loan, but the house is only worth a hundred.
1: Okay, and a PIA is a personal insolvency arrangement. arrangement. Okay,
7: personal, And that sorts out not only the assets, but it also sorts out the residual debt thereafter. Now that might be over a period of up to six years, but many people see a lot of light in that tunnel, you know?
1: Okay, but never too late and get in there early. Try, try, try not and bury your head in the sand is the message that, that really really, we really are trying to get across. Okay, we leave it there, uh, John. Thank you for that. It was a pleasure talking to you and continue good luck on your work as a PIP. But uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. You're very welcome. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, John O'Callaghan who is a personal insolvency practitioner with KPMG Ireland. And don't forget, Awalia. you can contact Awalia through MABS 0761072000, and you can log on to mabs.ie forward slash Awalia.
4: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
1: Gardening questions, please, because uh, Peter Dowdell will join us after half past 12 today. If you have a gardening question, 1850 333 Text your WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Get those questions in to us. Ger from Mallow has been on with a request. Favour, please. I'm looking to buy a Spurs jersey for the Champions League final which of course is on on this Saturday night 2XL I'm slow to order online as I'm afraid it might arrive in in time if anyone sees one they might let you know please I've tried locally i.e. in the Mallow area but no luck. I'm wondering if there's anybody in the city that's out and about in a sports shop could take a look for Ger, please, and let us know where he can purchase a Spurs jersey to excel or anywhere. I suppose in the North Cork area, he's in Mallow. Uh, he needs to get it for Saturday at night, uh, the big match on um, ...between uh, Tottenham Hotspur and Liverpool. I have a, a young fellow who's a mad Spurs fan. But I will wish good luck to both teams for Saturday night. Let's see if we can get Ger sorted out, though, with his Spurs jersey. 2XL. Anybody know where Ger can purchase one? 1850 333 if you can help us out with that one. In the last hour, I spoke with Barry Roach of the Irish Times, who jo- joined us live from outside the courthouse in Paris for the murder trial of Sophie Tuscon du plantier Texas says, Personally, I think the Irish government and indeed really the Irish media should totally boycott the French on this Ian Bailey trial, especially after the DPP here decided not to pursue the matter any further. Remember French agents blew up the Greenpeace ship killing two when the agents were imprisoned French ports and authorities left New Zealand produce rot or lie abandoned in ports until the agents were allowed to serve their prison sentence in France and released uh, and released on return so they can be heavy handed when they're looking after their own says this particular texter I don't know well the Irish government I don't, when you say the Irish government should boycott I mean the Irish government really are having nothing at all to do this case is going ahead regardless. The only thing is if he is found guilty and people expect he'll be found guilty on Friday you know we're looking, there won't be an extradition I mean that's been, it's been made quite clear by the DPP that Ian Bailey has no case to answer so I suppose in that regard the DPP via the government I suppose is is backing uh, Ian Bailey and saying he, hasn't, he has nothing to answer. I don't know if you're right in saying the Irish media should boycott it. There is an interest in the case. I think if for no other reason, just to see how the French justice system works, because it certainly works very different different to how a similar more if there was, you were having a similar trial here in this country. Thank you for your text though, to 0862 103, 103 We were talking about junctions being overgrown earlier on the programme. Texta says talk of dangerous jun- junctions. It reminds me of situations near to or close by schools in Clonakilty, for example. There is a pedestrian crossing with lights on the road between Fernhill House Hotel and the oil depot just at the Gwalescull Junction. Cars ignore the red lights regularly, says this texture. At Rena Screener National School, there is a space clearly marked for school buses where cars park, forcing children to get off buses outside of the cars, even onto the roadside, due to the cars parked in the bus space. Who is responsible in the event of a, an accident? That well, he's got yeah. Well, who's who's responsible? The driver of the car is going to be uh, responsible. That parking on school bus spaces. I pass by uh, close by where I live. There is a Guile school and there is a, a secondary school, and there's this, an area for school buses clearly marked for school buses. And every morning there seems to be a car parked in there. Now the buses are quite will move them on I mean I've seen the bus drivers you know beep at somebody to say move I need to get the the bus in parked to make it safe and they're deliberately put in areas besides footpaths so the children can alight the buses uh, safely and it's shocking to think that a car that a bus will be forced to park outside of the car and then the children getting off on the side of uh, the road. Now, there's some advice in for. Remember the listener who contacted us saying, could you put out a shout out, please? Somebody suffering from sciatica. I was wondering, was there's any cure? And as far as I know, there's no cure for sciatica. We were looking for how to relieve the symptoms of sciatica and if anybody could help us. And we're getting the same theme from a couple of listeners. Kathleen, for example, was on to say there are exercises you can do for sciatica and they really are very good. Now, says Kathleen, you have to be patient. It can take up to eight weeks to say, see a change, but once you see a change, you will see a noticeable change. And a number of other people saying the same thing as Kathleen, that exercise is the way to And if you're suffering with sciatica and you think, God, would that be the last thing that you'd be doing, doing any kind of exercise? But according to people who've contacted us who have suffered from sciatica or have had a family member suffering from sciatica, going down the exercise route seems to be the way to go. Mary said she found Pilates very helpful for her sciatica. She said there are different types of Pilates and the one that she attends was one specifically for back pain. So obviously there are certain moves that are not included for the people that are doing it for back pain. You end up learning the positions at your class and then you do it at home. Mary said it certainly worked for me. She said I went to consultants but their only answer was physio and painkillers and nothing was working for Mary with her sciatica. And she says sciatica has certainly worked for her. And then Nora was on who is a yoga Teacher and I have heard this before, but yoga and Pilates, Pilates will be very similar, wouldn't they? She said I teach yoga, and there is a position in yoga that definitely helps with sciatica. It's called the lying down pigeon pose. Nora said she's seen it help a number of people. So there's good words of advice. I think it was Colin was on to us earlier about that. So hopefully, Colin, maybe go down that route because not everybody wants to be popping painkillers all of the time and taking painkillers that can come with its own problems and its own side effects you know stomach issues and and whatever going down the exercise route so yoga or pilates and would you please let us know how you get on i would be really interested to see how that uh, turns out uh, for you i can see gardening questions coming in so keep those coming in please for Peter Dowdell, 1850 333103. Text or WhatsApp
0: 0862 103103. The C103 Cork
4: Diary.
1: With Cork County Council. Supporting
4: businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie.
1: Bingo is going ahead tonight in the Adele Quinn Hall in Cantor. It's got a half eight start while Kildarly Community Lotto draw. That takes place tomorrow night in Sheehan's Bar. The Cork County area are holding an Alcoholics Anonymous convention in McCroom. It runs across this weekend, starts on Friday and runs through until Sunday with an open public meeting at 12 noon on Sunday Riverside Park Hotel in McCroom. While Jolly, Tot's parent and toddler group they will meet for the last time tomorrow, or this Friday between 2 and 4 in Kilavallon Community Hall. The session by the way will be free. There will be a bus from Mallow to Knock on the, this Saturday the 1st of June. It's for the All-Ireland Rosary Rally. It leads to the Church of the Resurrection at 7.15 in the morning and then collects people at St Mary's Church at half past 7. If you'd like to book, call 087- 2823631 and Marjorie is your contact there. And Castleton Bear's Street Festival you're invited to head along to Castleton Bear for food, entertainment, music and lots more. It's part of their Street Fest next Sunday with all proceeds going to the Castleton Bear RNLI and uh, Co-Action Bearer. I'll keep you guarding questions coming for Peter Dowdle, please. Uh, he will join us uh, in the next uh, couple of minutes. But firstly, outgoing Fine Gael MEP Sean Kelly comfortably topped the European Parliament ballot here in Ireland South, but it took three days of counting before he was finally declared elected. To update us on what's going on at the counted Nemo Rangers is our senior news reporter uh, Fiona Corcoran. Uh, good afternoon to you, Fiona.
8: Good afternoon Patricia
1: Uh, And you're welcome Now this is painstaking How many counts did it take Until we finally had our first MEP Elected in Ireland South?
8: Uh, it was the ninth count, Patricia. Um, I was talking to you yesterday and um, at that stage we said that the first count was expected any time between one and three o'clock and it was after three o'clock. It was just bang on three o'clock actually when we got that count, at um, count number nine. And Sean Kelly was the first person to exceed the quota. Now the quota is 119,866. Um, so he um, has been elected and uh, is retaining his seat in Europe. Um, so the battle now is on to see who is going to be joining him and um this morning we got the results of count 15 and um that is going to really change the state of play. It's very interesting because after uh, Count 15, Labour's Sheila Noonan and Fine Gael's Andrew Doyle were eliminated. Um, and the combined total of their papers is 67,374. So they're currently being um, redistributed here at Nemo Rangers. And um, it depends where they go. Now, they, they, these transfers are going to have a significant change um, on what's going to happen. We have at the minute Mick Wallace, uh, the Independence for Change, is currently the front runner on 95,780. Um, so, and he got 5,545 transfers the last time. So he's the person in this um, race who has been transferring the best all along. He's been getting transfers from everywhere. Um, so they reckon that, um, or they expect him to maybe be elected after the next count or the next two counts. Um, and then after him is Billy Kelleher, Fianna Fáil's Billy Kelleher. he's on 89,036 and um, after him then is Sinn Féin's Léonie Riada, 87,322 and then Grace O'Sullivan for the Green Party and she's 84,741 now um, behind them then is Fianna Fáil's Malcolm Byrne on 74,370 and then Fine Gael's Deirdre Clun on 69,560 but because Deirdre Clun and Andrew Doyle are both from the Fine Gael party, um, one would Expect that a lot of his transfers will go to Deirdre Clune, and then that will bring her up. And they're expecting here that that might even bring her up ahead of Leah Nereida because Leah isn't transferring as well, and um, she doesn't have any more um, Sinn Féin people to go on, um, and she doesn't even have the the location factor as well. Um, and we're also Sheila Noonan and and Andrew we're, not from Cork. yeah, you know.
1: and we're also looking at a Labour and a, Feen, a Labour Fine Gael votes. Mm. And you would wonder how many of those would have a... Lean- they won't. If, if the pure Fine Gael or Labour may not have a leaning towards Sinn Féin.
8: Sinn Féin. Or even it. Mick Wallace. Um, yeah, but... Um, he doesn't Wallace, need much um, more. Yeah. um, He only needs a couple of thousand more. And I mean, he got five... Th- even if he got 5,000, it's still not bringing him um, near the quota. But he would still be the person who would be closest to the quota. Um, And then... um. I suppose with location as well, um, you know, he's over on the east of the country, as is Andrew Doyle. So you'd wonder would a lot of the votes maybe go that way. Um, So, yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see. Like people, you know, looking at the chart, you know, I've tweeted a picture of the chart there if anybody wants to have a look at it for themselves. But it would look like Deirdre Clune is out of the race because she's quite far behind. But we know that from the last time she Mm. was... You know, more or less, written out of the race, and then she came back on transfers. So, um, and she got, a good, off just she got yet, a good. She got a good
1: transfer vote from the Labour Party the last time. She yeah. didn't. She didn't even need uh, because Simon Harris was the sweeper the last time. She got in right. even without Simon Harris's uh, votes. Whereas she now has. You would expect a percentage of Andrew Doyle's, even though the, mm. I, I absolutely accept the geography is going to come into it. But she should accept, She should uh, get a big bump up on this one.
8: Yeah, now she hasn't been transferring very well this time around. Like the last one there, she only got 470 uh, transfer votes compared to what Mick Wallace got, 5,545. But whose votes were they? So they were Adrian Wallace's votes. Um, Who is
1: people before profit?
8: Yeah, so again, it's another. You would imagine that if people were going to vote for her, that they'd vote for Mick Wallace as well. Yeah. And maybe yeah. the surname. Who knows? I, but I,
1: I, <laughs> I don't think they're related.
8: <laughs> no, no. So, yeah, it just, but I suppose it just goes to show the importance of these transfer votes as well. And then there's like, there's what people call the non transferable, uh, not effective papers as well, you know, where. Maybe only somebody might have only just given a number one to somebody, and then they didn't give a number two, a number three, a number four. Um. So yeah, we're expecting a result from that now in the next maybe hour and a half. Um. And we'll have a better kind of an idea then. I suppose after the next count, um, it will really show who's in and who's out. Mm-hmm. And as we spoke yesterday, it is a five-seat constituency, so there is a race on. I mean, like uh, looking at it now, Mick Wallace and Billy Callagher look safe. So I suppose um, Grace O'Sullivan. Uh, Leonie Reda, Deirdre Clune and Malcolm Byrne are all in this race now for the the remaining seats Um, and as we, we know that fifth seat is like what they've deemed a holding seat because, um, you know, it'll only come into effect after Brexit at the end of October. Um, So I suppose they're all kind of really vying to get that third and fourth seat here. But um, we'll just have to wait and see. Like, it will be interesting now after this uh, count, and I suppose we'll have a much better idea of what way things are going to be and whether or not Deirdre Cloon is going to be able to keep her seat in Europe. But um, it's still all to play for here. Have you been Um, talking to her? Um, no, she. I missed her yesterday. I think she came after I left or I came after she left, but um, she hasn't been around. But I expect her to arrive some stage today. So um, we'll be hoping to have a discussion then when she does get here. Um, the only people who were here that I saw yesterday were uh, Mick Wallace and Grace O'Sullivan, Sean Kelly and uh, Billy Kelleher. Um, Has Leah um, D. been around? Um, She might have been here over the weekend um, because I wasn't actually here at the weekend. I was over in City Hall for the local elections. But um, she wasn't here yesterday. uh, So I would imagine that she'd come in today. I'd imagine that a lot of them will come in, maybe even later on this evening, because um, I know we said yesterday that they were expecting this to maybe even run until Friday. But because they've eliminated those two candidates now in the last count, it'll speed things up a little bit. And um, there's talk now here that they may run into the very early hours of um, tomorrow morning so we could be here like all night long (laughs) but um, yeah but just to get it over and done with just to get it over done with so I suppose a lot of the candidates will Oh, I know. And um, I just tweeted a picture there as well, or a little video of the, the counters here and, you know, credit to them. It's, it's day four of the count here. And you can just see in that little video the, the the length of the papers, the amount of papers that they're getting through. And they have to give it so much of their concentration. And I mean, I'm sure they're just waning at this stage. But, um, you know, those little votes. I mean, we saw in Bantry how important um, every single vote is. So, you know, they're going through them all here now at the minute. And um, it's a very long, very painstaking um, process. I mean, yesterday, I think in between the counts, it was like an hour and a half, two hours. But because the transfer votes are so much greater now, you would imagine that it could take two hours between each count so um yeah it's um it's taken a while but um you know we're here in ireland south we're not the only ones um i think up in castle bar they're still going as well and i think they're behind us even i mean we've had 15 counts i think they've only had something like nine so yeah. um it'll um it'll be a while but we're hoping that it will all be finished tonight and if not that early tomorrow but um. Yeah, it'll be um, it'll be. I suppose now over the next couple of hours we'll tell a lot, you know. And fingers and, uh, crossed
1: that nobody shouts the dirty word of recount. Oh God, no! <laughs> <laughs> okay, we will. We will, We'll definitely catch up with you again tomorrow. Hopefully, not from. Neptune, hopefully you'll be... Hopefully in a... from my bed. Yeah, yeah, that would be good. Okay, listen, thanks a million for that and, and you've been playing a blinder uh, all week. You, you're you, exhausted Patricia. as well, you need the break too. Thanks for that. That is uh, Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter with the very latest coming from Neptune which is now the transfer of uh, Sheila Noonan and Andrew Doyle. They have both been uh, eliminated. So over 67,000 odds votes now to be distributed which should make a difference, should hopefully get somebody over the line but also should make a difference to the way the pecking order of where the candidates are at the moment. We certainly won't have any update before we come off air at uh, 1 o'clock but stay tuned to uh, C103 because our, our Fiona will keep us uh, updated throughout the afternoon on our news service. 1850 Gardening questions please because uh, Peter Dowdell, our resident gardener, is about to join us on the program. He's joining us live from Bloom this week. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103.
4: Nick Richards, weekday afternoons from one
0: C one zero three. We are uh, waiting
4: outside for Rod Stewart to come on stage. Do you remember the first album you bought?
1: No, but I remember I had a poster on my bedroom door, and he had tartan leggings Whoa. and a scarf, and nothing on his top half. And my father ripping it off the door, nothing. saying he was the heath.
4: <laughs> Have you got a favourite song you're hoping Rod's going to do
1: tonight? Oh, Maginane. He would not get out of Cork if he didn't do that. No, not a whole weekday afternoons from one. C103.
4: If it's happening in your locality, it's on C103.ie. Whether it's fundraisers, major events or news from your area, the C-103 Regional Reports provide community information from areas such as Avondoo, Duhallow, Buttevant, East Cork, Ballyhara, Mill Street and more. To hear a report from your area, log on to C-103.ie and click on Regional Reports.
0: This is the Cork Today replay on C-103.
4: C-103, the heartbeat of your community. Record
1: today on Scene 103.
4: Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103
1: 103. And before we catch up with uh, Peter, let me remind you of the Innishannon Steam Rally and the family pass that I have to give away. It's the 22nd annual Innishannon Steam and Vintage Rally, and it is happening across this bank holiday weekend. It's always on the June bank holiday weekend, so it's on Sunday the 2nd and Monday the 3rd. Uh, there's They're expecting this year over 1,000 exhibits. There's going to be huge tractors. There's very unique cars. There are always very unique cars. There's motorbikes. And then obviously the fact that it is a steam rally. There's always wonderful oil and steam steam engines that will be on display. They've got a pet corner. They've got stands and stalls. They'll have a dog show. They'll have a sheepdog trials. And we have a family pass to give away. Every day this week and the family pass can be used on either of the two days if it suits to go Sunday go along Sunday or if you prefer to go Monday go along on uh, Monday. So call her five to get through to John Paul now 1850-333-103 who would like to go along with your family and the family pass is for four people. But again as Ever when we give away tickets like this please only enter if you really are planning to go because I hate to see tickets go to waste so a family pass Caller 5 1850 and you can check out the Innes Shannon Steam Rally by checking out their website isvrally.com Now let me go to the phone lines where uh, Peter Dowdle uh, joins me Good afternoon to you Peter
2: Good afternoon Trish, how are you?
1: I- I'm very well and I know you're on the road, are you heading to Bloom at the moment?
2: I'm en route to Bloom, bit behind time, I'm oh. happy to be there by now. Okay,
1: alright yeah, because we were saying that you'd be in Bloom and then jump off, so he's still on the road. Okay, yes. let's get straight into questions and a question I know you'll be happy to hear. Listener says, is there any treatment for green fly on roses? I don't want to use pesticides and that's something you would 100% agree with.
2: Absolutely, we can't be spraying pesticides. It's... It, it, uh, you know, it's 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 gone beyond that we shouldn't be using them if we can't be using them because we're we're interfering too much with it too many species dying in front of our eyes. So, yeah, there are, there are organic insecticides and, in fact, Dahi from the Today Show who's getting into the garden, he sent me a WhatsApp yesterday saying, I have the same kind of thing, he, not on the roads, but on, on fruit trees. What could I use? So I gave him the same answer, which is you could either make a garlic wash, which is like pulping a few cloves of garlic with, with boiling water, um, and then, Leave it sit outside for a day or two, and then dilute that uh, concentrate uh, of garlic wash about ten to one with water, and spray it onto your roses. You could also, I would say, in the first case, eh, if it's practical, eh, with the secateurs, just go and cut out, cut off the worst affected shoots, and just throw them away. And then you've got rid of the the greenfly immediately in one go. And that's not always practical. You might there might be real heavy infestation, but a garlic wash is a great way to prevent them. Dahi uh, then sent me a picture where he was in a garden centre of. Uh, a Hygia product called organic, I can't remember what it was called but it was an organic pesticide and it contains a thing called malodextin which is perfectly safe to use. So if you go to your local garden centre, look for an organic insecticide. Most organic ones and if they say it's organic and it's safe to use on edibles, then you know it's not going to be doing much damage. I know the rose isn't edible but that's what you want to be using. So uh, prune it off, apply a garlic wash or else go to the garden centre and get an organic insecticide.
1: Okay, hi Peter I used lawn gold to treat a very mossy lawn a few weeks ago glad to report that the moss has improved but the lawn now has weeds buttercups and daisies mostly do I now need to use a feed and weed if so what would you recommend? <laughs>
2: Excuse me, I wouldn't recommend a feed and weed for, for several reasons number one I don't think, when you have a product that's like a lawn weed killer a lawn feed and a lawn moss killer it tends not to have any a high enough concentration of either one of them to be, to be much good. So what I would recommend in that situation is one of three things. Number one, learn to love the buttercups and learn <laughs> to love the weeds. And I mean that. And if we yeah. just change our, our perception, if you like, of what is beautiful, um, you know, if we if we stop seeing perfectly maintained and manicured grass as beautiful and start seeing the buttercups and the daisies as beautiful. As I said to you, I'm on the road up to Dublin to Bloom, and I don't know how many roadside verges I've passed that are alive with colour, and I think that is really beautiful. Yeah. Um so that's option one. I used to say tongue in cheek, I'm becoming less tongue in cheek about it as I get older. So learn to see them as as lovely. If you can not do that, or if if you're you're switching station by listening to that, um, you could go out uh, and do it by hand again if it's practical. If there's not that many of them, go out with a hand trowel and dig them out. It's done instantly and chemically free. Uh, that's another way of doing it. Or if then you are you insisting on on getting a weed killer to do it. The, the reason another reason I don't like the, the lawn weed feed and moss killer is because you're you're really blanket bombing it. You're 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 spreading weed killer and moss killer unnecessarily over the whole lawn where it's not needed and it is damaging the bees and the other insects then. So be specific. Get a selective lawn weed killer if you do want to use a chemical. Uh, I know Green Forest do a liquid lawn weed killer which is a very good one and just treat weeds that you want to kill so that you're not blanket bombing the whole lawn. Just apply it. It won't damage the grass. The selective weed killer won't damage the grass. Spray it specifically on the weed you want to kill and then that will work.
1: Okay, we seem to be having problems with lawns because, hi Patricia, could you ask Peter, uh, what makes the grass grow? My grass in the lawn is not growing well. I did put down lawn lawn seed, but no change
2: well, 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 I suppose without meaning to sound too physicians but well, what makes the grass grow is 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 warm weather and moisture. Uh, after that, you'd be looking at fertilisers. The caller doesn't say whether it's a new lawn or an established. No, lawn. No, but, but they've but,
1: add, he's added lawn seed. So is it a, is it he's put down uh, lawn
2: seed? Is it a new if, lawn? Yeah, if if somebody has put down lawn seed on a lawn, first thing first thing is to make sure is that you rake the soil surface beforehand so that the tilt is broken and you're creating a tilt which means that the seed makes good contact with the soil so in other words throwing it on top of an existing lawn let's say that has moss and weed that you're wasting your time so create a tilt by raking the lawn and breaking up the soil surface then apply your seed and then of course once you've done that I'm afraid the job isn't done you need to water it uh, you need, they need water grass seed would need water every every day every twice a day at this time of the year for about three to four weeks uh, if it dries out for even for a day in the hot sun, then that seed is, is dead. So you do need to be watering it about twice a day for three to four weeks. If it's a new lawn and it's just not growing quick enough, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't panic. Just give it time. Nature is amazing; it will come good. Uh, just give it time. I wouldn't even worry about feeding it until it's at least six months old.
1: Stay on lawns because somebody else is looking for your advice on what you make of cut grass and is it rubbish because in the estate where he lives, I'm assuming it's a contractor or the council, when they get the grass cutting they're putting it around the base of the trees and he's wondering is that rubbish? You know, do, would well, you no, deem I would it as rubbish?
2: I would, I would never deem it as rubbish. It's compostable waste, yeah. if you like, but I wouldn't regard that as rubbish at all. I would regard that as something very valuable because it's going to improve our soils in time. Putting it directly around shrubs and trees like that isn't really wonderful because uh, for good compost, you really want a mixture of materials. So, I mean, you, we've all seen um, piles of lawn mowings and grass cuttings just thrown in one area and that just no air gets into it, it saturates, becomes, uh, it breaks down very, very slowly because there's no oxygen getting into it and it becomes a slimy, heavy mess. So I'd be, I wouldn't necessarily recommend mulching around plants with it for that reason. I would like to mix it in the compost bin with, with more open material. Um, So no, it's not rubbish. I wouldn't look at dumping it. I would look at turning it into compost, but using it that way, I wouldn't be a huge fan of it. The other other disadvantage, if you like, of using it that way is that there will be grass seeds, probably, and maybe a few weed seeds in the morning, which could then come up through where you've applied it as a mulch. One thing that it is great for is deterring rabbits. Rabbits won't go near it, so that that might be a valuable tip for some people.
1: Mary in Kiss Games says, Could you ask Peter if he would know why some of the branches of my Rhododendron and Hydrangea shrubs are now leafless? They don't appear to be dead. Should I cut them back? But they're leafless.
2: Uh, if they're leafless, I can't see it obviously enough, but if they are leafless, I would say they, they are, if not dead, then dying. Not the whole plant, but those branches. Uh, because they're an evergreen plant, obviously. Uh, and there are fungal infections which affect rhododendrons. One of them is a particularly nasty one. It's, it's what's called a notifiable disease, which means if we see it, we need to notify the Department of Agriculture. Uh, and it's a thing called Phytophthora, Phytophthora remorum. And unfortunately, I'm seeing more and more of it in Ireland over the last few years. It's quite widespread. So it might be that, unfortunately, but obviously I can't see it. There are other fungal infections that would do the same thing to rhododendrons as one diamond leaf and things like that. Um best thing to do, I would say, is, is go to your local garden centre, take a picture of the plant and take a few close-ups of it as well on your phone or iPad or whatever. If you can get any leaves that are showing any signs of infection, browning of the leaf or anything like that, bring them to your local garden centre and ask for their advice. Um, I would recommend certainly pruning off any of the leafless branches now and if, let's say, at the top half of the branches, the bottom isn't remove every bit of it that doesn't have a leaf and cut into the green growth as well because if it is a fungal infection, it's spreading down the stem. So I would recommend taking action sooner rather than later.
1: Okay, bamboo trees, there's no new green foliage. The leaves are go- are all gone yellow and are falling off. It looks like the bamboo trees are dead.
2: The uh, I wonder, i need a bit more information on that. I wonder are they growing in pasture and the open ground because bamboos have a a habit of if they, do, if they dry out at all, they very dramatically do what they're describing there, lose all the leaves uh, and drop them. Now, they will come back then once they, they get watered. If they're in pots, that's a much more common problem because obviously the pots dry out much more so the open ground or if it's a windy position or if they're newly planted. Um, then, then drought, I would imagine it is drought. I imagine that they have dried out. So the 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 remedy would be quite simple, just just keep them well watered from now on. If their new plants gone into the soil, you won't have to worry about that forever, just for this, this summer, until this summer is over and they can manage to get their own water. If they're growing in plastic containers, it could be something that you'll have to pay attention just to out. forever. Forever, yeah. They they could be again it could be an infection without seeing it possible to say, it could be a fungal or bacterial infection. Uh, But I would say first course of action, just drown them with water over the next few weeks and see if they begin to come back.
1: Okay, could you ask Peter, please, why home guard potatoes aren't showing blossom? They were planted last week, the last week in February. Perfect stalks and queens next to them are blossoming perfectly. From Pat in Mallow. Is it guard potatoes? Home guard. Home Home guard, guard.
2: yeah. One of the lovely early potatoes. I would say it's just a question. Yeah, I mean where are we, end of May, I would have think it's probably still a bit early to be seeing them. So I, my got is telling me it's just a matter of time. He's probably seeing the British Queen flowering and saying, okay, why aren't the home guards? But I think it's just the fact that it'll be a week or two later. I wouldn't panic at all if, if there's no sign of any leaf problem as he's saying the stalks so are all healthy. I, I wouldn't be concerned at all. I'd say it's just a matter of time.
1: Magella wants to know the right time to plant beech hedging.
2: Well it is and it isn't, if that's not too vague an answer for <laughs> you um, it's too late now for what we call bare root hedging. So bare root hedging is, is when you get plants which aren't grown in pots. So they've been grown in the nursery, taken out of the ground and they're they're tied together in bundles and sold then in bundles of ten or twenty. It's too late for that because that needs to be done from November through to kind of start of March. We're in the middle of the growing season now, it's the end of May. Um you wouldn't go interfering by taking anything out of the ground to plant a bare root. But if you can get beach hedging, this is where the it is part of the answer uh, comes in. If you can get beach hedging that has been grown in pots, or any hedging which has been grown in pots at this time of the year, it's fine to plant it because you're not disturbing the root system. You're just taking the pot off and putting it into the ground. Uh, so fine to plant a beach hedging now if it's pot grown, not if it's bare root. And on that, going back to what I just was talking about, Uh, water, 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 water so if you're planting them now they will need plenty of water this summer or if you planted them bare root during the winter just past they will still need plenty of water this summer nature will take care of it a lot but there will be days when nature won't and you'll have to pay attention
1: Okay, it's great to see people growing veg and then is growing early potatoes and they're all at various stages at the moment She said, when should we earth them up and what height should they be?
2: Okay, well when you're earthing up potatoes it means that you're kind of constantly it's a constant job you don't just do it once so in other words you start off your potatoes you go down a few inches into the soil put in your potato and cover the potato with soil as those as the potato shoots come up over the soil you start earthing it up uh which means that you're really just bringing the earth from both sides of the drill up over the 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 greenery and the stalks and the foliage so that just the tip of the foliage is exposed over the soil so every week or 10 days or maybe even every few days, depending on how quick the growth is, you're constantly earthing up. So it's only the tip of the potato is exposed or the, or the tip of the greenery is exposed. Uh, and keep going like that until they start coming into bloom, like one of the callers were saying with the, their home garden, British Green, and that's when you harvest. Um, so you should be earthing up all the time, if you like. So if you haven't done it yet, it's not too late. If they're not in bloom yet, you still earth up. And it's in that earth uh, that the the... the we am I trying to say the potatoes will form along the stem in the soil
1: Okay, seeing so as you've mentioned bloom, into bloom you must go Are you up there for the full weekend or what's I'm, your plan?
2: I am, I'm up there until, I'm not there on Monday I'm up there till Sunday evening so hopefully we'll see and I always do we meet a lot of your listeners Trish at the show for anyone who's interested I will be speaking on the Grow Growwise uh, Garden Expert stage which is in the Grand or Great Pavilion which is next to the Floral Nursery Marquee Every day, Thursday to Sunday, 11.30 to 12, if for anybody who, who wants to, to come and hear me, um, 11.30 to 12 on the Board of Mola Garden Expert stage. I'll also be taking part in, in the DIY area, the Grow it Yourself movement. I'll right. be there as part of a panel discussion on creating sustainable cities. Um, and then I'll be around the place as well
1: I'll enjoy because I know you do as well oh, I will. Um, oh, and we'll, I will. T- we'll talk to you next week again thanks for that Cheers Peter that's uh, Peter the dot com. and congratulations to Julie Hennessy in Tower Julie has won our Inna Shannon Steam Rally Family Pass for today more of the same tomorrow mm-hmm. that's where I leave you for today thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards with you for the afternoon and we'll talk to you tomorrow at 10
4: every friday we're counting down to the weekend the weekend by turning up the feel good
0: c103's feel good friday brings you six hours of feel good greatest hits
4: join nick richards from one and martina o'donoghue from four
0: as we get you weekend ready weekend ready
4: Tu- ter- 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 turning up the feel good for Cork. For Cork. Every Friday from 1. Feel, feel good Friday only on C103. Hold up.